0: Everybody, welcome back to America's Game episode number 46. I am your host, Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL. And as always, I am joined by my co host, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man?
1: Eric, welcome back, 46. Glad to be here. Diving into some auto accept trade blocks. We have a little breaking news, which is a perfect segue into the auto accept trade block. Uh, I started. I saw you started putting a bunch of them out last week. I don't know how many deals you've gotten, but we can kind of talk the art of the auto accept trade block, why it's useful, why you want to do it over the next couple months, and also how to set the prices. I think a lot of times, and we'll put some caveats in there. It's easier for us to do it because we're in a lot of leagues, but I think a lot of times people are afraid to put prices that they don't think they're making a profit on the auto accept trade block. And we can talk about maybe why that's a a fear that you shouldn't have and how you can overcome it. I also want to give a plug to Koopa Troopa who uh, came on the Patreon show um, on Thursday and did a show kind of about roster construction and warp and talked about the warp tool. But we kind of talked about how you can use the auto accept trade block in conjunction with the warp tool, with the roster construction when it shows you that kind of like dead range or the droppable range that's essentially where all the auto accept trade block players live on your roster pretty much in that bench range where it's like, okay, I could see a path, but if you can turn that into some flexibility with some picks or consolidate to free up a roster spot, it can be valuable. So I look forward to this show. The last couple we've done have been fun, but this is one, man, you and I have been doing auto accept trade blocks for years. And now I see more people not named you or me that are trying to do it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but
0: this should be a fun show. Yeah, we've always been doing this. I mean, kind of like me and you almost came up with it in a way, at least in our leagues that we saw. So, yeah, this is always a fun topic to get into and talk about. And then um, I haven't gotten to listen to your uh, your thing with Koopa yet. I will hear shortly. But, uh, yeah, shout out also to uh, Adam of 4D Chess. He had me on. Uh, last night on their podcast that came out today, dropped today on the Destination Devi feed. So yeah, check that out. Me and Adam had a good time talking about uh, pretty much like waivers after rookie draft and what you should be kind of doing and how you should be working on your roster, like constantly just churning and burning those like last like four or five roster spots that you have on your team and how to use them. And, you know, it's, it's different for certain leagues, like shallower leagues. I'm probably just going to go with all running backs. Deeper leagues, okay, I'll, I might dabble into some quarterbacks, maybe a couple wide receivers here and there. But um, it was just different this year in rookie drafts because pretty much, like, all the running backs got drafted in your rookie drafts, unless it was, like, a three-round draft or something. But, like, these four, five-round drafts that me and Scott are in, like, pretty much every running back was selected. So it's hard to... Kind of do it how we did last year, where we just hammered running backs, and then we just picked up all a bunch of running backs off of waivers. This year, you kind of have to maybe take some shot at some uh, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks to kind of fill those last spots or your last taxi squad spots. I know we don't love doing that, but hey, at least it's something, you know. But it's better than you know Daryl Williams or Damian Williams who hasn't had a job yet. So that's kind of where I was at with it.
1: Yeah, I got to give you kudos. That was a good show with Adam. Uh, That's a topic that if it ever comes up on anybody's feed, like besides myself, you would be the person I'd be like, that's the person to go and interview to talk about that topic. Because how many times do we look at teams in our leagues and we look at their rosters and you're just like, what are they doing? They don't have a full team. They don't use their taxi. They're blowing waiver money on... Ben Squaronic during the off season. It's just like, there's no direction. There's no sense of roster construction. Sure. Are you grinding the edges three to 5% over the course of a season? Yeah. But wouldn't you rather have 3% than just absolutely a dead roster that half the plate, half the wet roster spots are wasted. You're not mm-hmm. using your taxi. You're blowing your fab on pointless shit. And then you get to the season and you're like, man, this team's bad. Even if the team's good, how much did you leave on the bone where, you know, you left an extra win or an extra couple picks that you could have grinded out. You left those on the table because you just didn't pay attention or you didn't maximize, you know, potentially what you could have been doing in the off season. So this is for like, this show's going to be kind of for the hardcore, but so was the, uh, the 4d show that you did. It was like literally how to value the last five roster spots and, Uh, to one of the points I wanted to bring up to you that I think you nailed was you you have to have a plan with those roster spots. If you are in a league where it's only 30-man rosters, why are you blowing your fab on Xavier Hutchinson? Unless, unless, here's the thing, unless you're planning on saying, I'm cutting him if he's not the wide receiver three out of camp, you wasted your money. Because if you go, oh man, he'll be the wide receiver three in 2025. Are you really going to waste that roster spot for two years just to hope he doesn't get overdrafted by two more rookie classes and free agency two times? Like, I think that's the thing. you got to have a purpose, and you nailed it with the running back. Dude, even if I add Zavian Valaday or Kalen Leborn, if they get cut, then they get cut off my team. There is no, like, I'll hold him to see if he signs. They get cut, you cut them. It's easy, and he either makes it or he doesn't. So it's actually more valuable to have that because you're going to free up the roster spot again if he doesn't make the team. So it's either a positive outcome or it's a roster spot. There's no in-between. And I think people just don't get that. They just pick up guys randomly and they go, oh, I'll just see if this guy develops. And then next year they're cutting Xavier Hutchinson because he never did anything. He's getting cut to make next year's fifth-round pick. You're like, dude, you just wasted a roster spot for an entire year. So I think that was a major point that, 90% of teams they just don't they just don't get it. They just don't you can look at their team and you can tell immediately if they have a plan. And it's usually like 3 or 4 out of 12 teams have a plan and everyone else is just flying blind.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of teams too that I don't mean you always laugh and talk about it, that are, still are carrying guys who retired literally like Le'Veon Bell uh Emmanuel Sanders I've seen on teams TY Hilton, you know like just why are you even still holding these guys like they haven't signed anywhere uh it's just mind-boggling to me that people just waste roster spots like that like that 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 bugs me too and then teams like if it's a 30 man rosters and then you go and look at their roster and they have uh, 24 players only like what are you doing so and you don't use your taxi squad spots you know the, those aren't filled like just one of my biggest pet peeves in fantasy. Like, I just don't get how you can't be making sure your roster is absolutely maximized. So.
1: so you're saying that I shouldn't be carrying, like,
0: uh, I don't know,
1: Samare Touré? Should I be holding him still?
0: Probably not because they just drafted, what, two more wide receivers plus two tight ends, and they still have Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, who they drafted last year, too, above him. So, yeah, no, I probably wouldn't be carrying him right now. And that's why we did the AFC and NFC roster, um, you know, shows that we did the last two weeks or two weeks before, you know. We We told you who to cut, who to keep and whatnot, and I'm pretty sure Samari Torre was not one of the guys to keep.
1: Yeah, I just picked a random league, and I looked at the team, and it's a point-per-carry league, so, of course, receivers matter even less. But then I just look at this roster, and they're still carrying uh, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, that's a good one to carry. Yeah. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, you still be holding him?
0: Yeah. He went to Denver back with Sean Payton now, maybe.
1: How about Colin Johnson? Would you still be holding him on a team with 10 receivers and a torn Achilles?
0: Uh, Yeah, no, he would have been gone last year when he tore his Achilles. How about uh, Demarcus Robinson? Still hasn't signed yet.
1: Yeah, no That guy's thanks. bounced around like eight times, so yeah, gone. on. Right. Uh,
0: Traquan Smith, do you think he has a path still? No. If he couldn't do it three years ago, four years ago when I was on him, he ain't going to be doing it now.
1: Yeah, and that's one team that has these guys, and there's others that are on there that are still like, man, Jalen Tolbert, Trent Sherfield. Yeah, Jacob Harris. There's one. He switched back to receiver on Jacksonville. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yep. That's all on one team. That's literally wasting like a dozen spots. And that doesn't even count the tight ends, too. Luke Farrell. It's a good one to hold. Uh, that's a Jacksonville
0: tight end, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. How about Sam Ellinger? Are you still holding him?
0: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that's a major wolf. <laughs>
1: I mean, any running back on a 53, right? But are you holding any Benny Snell? No, no, not holding (laughs) Benny Snell. I mean, these are all on one roster. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just literally, it's just, and this is 37 man rosters with six taxi. There's no taxi on this one. And there's only 34 on the, uh, on the active roster. So we're literally wasting at least 15 roster spots, if not 20.
0: So, yeah. That's why these teams never compete. Like, they just donate. They're a donation to the league basically every single year.
1: Well, and if you're going to play that way, that's fine if it's a start 10. But this is a start 13. Yeah. So wasting that many roster spots in a deep league, it's like, man, you are... You're you're. you're I don't want to say you're leaving free points on your... You're leaving free points on the table, but you are. You never know when the players in those ranges are going to pop up and you're going to be able to use them even one or two times over the course of a year or two. It matters. So this show is going to be for the people that are in those start 11 plus leagues with massive rosters or best ball leagues where the rosters are expanded or whatever. Like if you're in to start nine, okay, this probably isn't your show. The auto accept trade block is largely going to be irrelevant. because that droppable range or all those bench players aren't going to be worth much, but Anyway, we'll get into it. You want to talk some uh, real quick, DeAndre Hopkins' impact? We saw he just got cut by uh, Cardinals. What do you think in there? Where do you think he goes first?
0: Man, I could see a couple different teams that he could end up with. You know, I think one of the rumors our uh, teams that he was interested in was, what, Kansas City, uh, Philadelphia, Buffalo, the Chargers, and one other one. Do you remember what the fifth one was? Uh,
1: The other quarterback he wanted Baltimore. to catch balls for Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. I don't think he goes to Baltimore now. No. I don't think he goes to the Chargers because of their cap situation. Yeah, not um, the Eagles. Eagles, I don't think so either. I think Buffalo or KC would make sense. Buffalo would make sense, and KC certainly would make sense.
0: Yeah, Buffalo definitely could use that second wide receiver. Um. You know we've seen how much they kind of struggled during the playoffs. Like if if Diggs isn't on fire, like they really don't have anybody else like a go to guy right now. So Buffalo would be a really nice spot for him to end up. Kansas City would be a decent spot as well. Obviously playing with Mahomes, they have a lot of wide receivers there. Honestly, the Giants could really use him.
1: You know where I think he goes, which people aren't going to like, mm-hmm. Tennessee. They'll pay him. He'll get as many targets as he wants. And remember the reports. If he comes available, they definitely are interested. Interesting. Now, is that a place he goes to win a title? No. Does he go there to play with one of the top five quarterbacks? No. But if they say, hey, we'll give you 200 targets and rework your deal to get paid what you would have gotten paid in Arizona, then... He may take it, you know, and they just hit free agency next year. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I can I guess see it. It depends on what his priorities are, honestly. Is this priority to win a championship? Well, it's obviously not in Tennessee. But is it just to accumulate stats and get paid money? Then, yeah, that's a possibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he would want to go there. But, yeah, exactly like you said, they may put an offer on the table that other teams can't offer. Other than the Chiefs, like, there's probably no place he can go, and he's the number one guy. And you could argue on the Titans, he would be. So let's assume he goes to a bad spot like the Titans. What do you think he'll be selling for? you think people will talk themselves into he could get 170, 180 targets there?
0: I think so. I don't know, maybe that much, 150,
1: Yeah. Okay, let's say he would get 30% of the target share, don't you think? So whatever that number is, 150, 160. Would you buy? Would you pay a late first on the Titans?
0: I think so, yeah. I mean, Tannehill's been efficient in his career. It's not like Tannehill's this completely awful quarterback or anything. So I could see it, yeah.
1: And then midway through the season, how frustrated is Hopkins when it's Will Levis can't even get him the ball?
0: Yeah. And then pulls a Randy Moss and gets out of there. It could it could end very badly. All right. But wouldn't that just be the typical Titans where everyone
1: thinks they should rebuild, but they're trading for or they're signing 31 year old receivers and paying them a shit ton of money.
0: Yeah. And I'm assuming Vrabel was with the Texans when Hopkins was there, when he was the defensive coordinator. So I'm sure they probably have a little bit of a connection. I was kind of trying to think of some coaching connections um that he would have. Patriots. No, he ain't going there. Him and Bill hate each other. O'Brien, that is.
1: Who else do you think he could go to? Browns?
0: I I think the Browns are a possibility. They're always one of those teams that will go for guys like that. I just don't know if they're the favorite. But if he if him and Watson, you know, have connected really well in the past, obviously, I could definitely see it. God, that would muddy up the Browns receiver core, wouldn't it? I I think it would be just Cooper and uh, Cooper, Hopkins, Elijah Moore and kind of Peoples Jones and Tillman would just kind of be, you know, background players and Peoples Jones will just go to free agency next year. So, I mean, I I wouldn't mind it. Like, I wouldn't hate it if if they uh, ended up doing that. I don't know if it's the best one. It's just money, though, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I think if you're willing to pay, he will go somewhere. Browns are a fringe team that has a potentially a good quarterback that he knows, but also a team that has a chance to contend. It isn't like the Browns are guaranteed to suck. So, I mean, he, he could be a piece that gets them to the playoffs.
0: Right. So I could see that. I could see the Browns over the Titans. I'm trying to think of some teams that, like, he could go to and kind of make that big difference to like get them into the playoffs or you know at least maybe into the second round of the playoffs that's kind of why I mentioned the Giants first um here's one how about the Falcons yeah him and Drake London could be nice I mean they have uh they signed Matt Collins and and Scotty Miller but neither of those guys are going to take anything away from Hopkins so
1: how about the Panthers
0: yeah Panthers would be a good one yeah, give give Bryce Young another veteran wide receiver to throw the ball to. I would like that for sure. Washington, he wouldn't go to Washington, probably. No, I think they're kind of they're kind of set with their three wide receivers right now. So I would probably say no on that one. Do the Bears still have a bunch of money? I don't.
1: No, but yeah. you know, you know who maybe could. What about the Raiders? Be yeah. a Raiders move, wouldn't it? Reunite Adams and Hopkins, and be like, we have the best receiver core. But then they realize it's not twenty seventeen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: That would be interesting. Could, couldn't you see the Raiders if they're? I mean, anybody that's
0: willing to pay, I think, would get his attention. Yeah. I wonder if, what if Aaron Rodgers wants him? And I know they have thirty-five wide receivers already too. And and then they just use that. They cut Corey Davis. And basically give that money to Hopkins that could be interesting I mean there's a lot of things that could still happen
1: he's a receiver that you know obviously wasn't it worth trading a third round pick for but there's a lot of teams that are probably looking at their receiver core and saying he's at least our wide receiver three wide receiver two
0: how about this who- one My- Miami and you could play Waddle and Tyreek in the slot, and then obviously want the other one on the outside, and Hopkins on the outside. Yeah, that uh, it's going to end up being something like that, where it's
1: he's going to go somewhere, and we're going to go. What the hell do we do with all their players? You know? Yeah. Like if he went to like the Chargers, would that
0: just like kill like Mike Williams? Probably, yeah. Uh, definitely, Quinton Johnson wouldn't do anything this year. Eagles. It'd have to hurt Smitty and Goddard a little bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, they're not going to be putting up the season that they put up last year for sure. I think, I mean, he goes
1: somewhere like that, it hurts everybody. Bills, it crushes Gabe Davis. Yeah. Or do you think he just is what he is? Boomer bust.
0: Yeah, he would just become more boomer bust than he already is. It probably kills all the other guys, right? It
1: would probably hurt Kincaid. It would probably hurt all the other, like, secondary guys you were hoping might be useful. Because between him and Diggs, like that's 40 to 50% of the targets at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that comes to mind, but. Ooh, man. So you don't think Patriots have any shot here? No, because I don't think him and Bill O'Brien get along. Hmm. And, and. Belichick does. I mean, he has in the past, I guess, signed guys like this. But I think, yeah, with, with Bill O'Brien and his past, I don't think so. I, I don't think he would go there. Okay. Uh, Detroit would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, J, with J Mo out for a little bit. And obviously, they don't really have an outside receiver with Amon Ra there. Um, at, you know, pretty much man in the slot. Like Hopkins would be a really nice fit there, too. That is a good call. I think Detroit's a very good call.
1: Green Bay could be a good call, too. I mean, I don't know what these teams are capitalized. We'd have to look it up. But, yeah, very interesting. Well, we'll see. You think he signs quickly?
0: Uh, yeah, I would say he he seems like maybe he'll sign, like, Sunday or Monday, like, during the holiday, maybe, I'm thinking. Yep. I think it'll be quick.
1: Well, we'll see. Stay tuned on uh, where he signs and what do you think the market will be where he signs? I mean, obviously it's going to matter the specifics, but let's say he goes to a a Detroit or a Buffalo or a KC where people clearly see a path of him being like a 25% guy, you know, on on good offenses. It's not 25% on the Titans or 25% on this team. It's 25% on what we think is a higher volume, good offense there'll be people paying first, don't you think?
0: Yeah. Hey, I'm going to be in the
1: playoffs. I'll give you my next year's first
0: for him. Yeah, I think so. Especially like if it's like the Buffalo or one of those teams that you were mentioning and they have that quarterback, that that guy who's going for it has Josh Allen and he signs in Buffalo. Oh yeah, I'll give you my late first and get that combo on my team. So I could see that. Would you sell if that happens? Or would it be team specific? Because I think I
1: have... You look at my Hopkins shares here. I don't have a ton. I have three shares. Mm. I
0: so, think I mean, team... that's
1: probably enough for me just to say I'll, I'll just hold one or two. It depends on where he goes, you know, but I don't think I'll probably be the person that's buying unless it's exactly what you said where
0: yeah. I have,
1: like, an extra first and I can stack with whatever QB he goes to.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of think team-specific. Um, if you're a team that's, you know, in it and, you know, why trade him, you know, if he's going to be one of your guys that you count on every single week, you know, he's going to be one of your starting three wide receivers. I think I would just hold him there. If I have a lot of depth and I can afford the loss. Sure. I'll take an extra first and, and gamble and see what happens. So I, th- I think, yeah, like, like you said, kind of just team uh, dependent.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about that probably more next week or in future episodes, depending on what yeah. happens
0: with him. So, getting into the auto accept trade block. If you know, as soon as he moves, you just you just throw him up there for any first. Or does it have to be twenty twenty four?
1: Would he be? Could he be auto accept trade blocked now?
0: I think so. What would you ask? I me? I think I'd still I'd still leave it at the first. The late first. Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, you're not going to know if it's a late first. Um, but I would, I would, I would sell him for any first. Yeah.
1: Any first. So you would take 25, too?
0: Because here's the yeah, thing if he goes to the I, Titans,
1: so. you're not going to get a first. If he goes to the Chiefs, you're going to kick yourself for accepting a 25 first. So you're right. kind of taking the gamble on either side. And so is the person that's buying him, which is why the person that's buying him might say, Hey, I'm a good team. I'll give you my 25 first. I'll just take a gamble that I'm going to be able to get him, Mm -hmm. you know, cheaper now than I would if he signs in a good spot, but they could also get burned. So I just wonder how much traction there's going to be. And generally how much traction is there with players that are in the first round range on auto accept trade blocks? Have you found, and then we'll talk a little more about how to exactly do it. But we, we, you never really see players for first on auto accept trade blocks unless no. it's very
0: rare. Yeah, I have I hardly ever put guys up for first. It's usually like my, my depth players that I'm putting up that I could try and sell for some like thirds or fourths or seconds or whatever. But yeah, I don't really put too many guys up for first. So let's talk about how to implement the auto accept trade block.
1: So your rookie draft is over. <clears throat> You've probably already run waivers. If you haven't run waivers, that's even better because the roster spots are probably worth a little more if you haven't run the waivers after the draft has ended. But let's just say it has waivers have kind of already been picked clean. Maybe there's a couple players out there that you are struggling with. Hey, I want to pick this guy up, but then I go through my teams and I just don't really want to cut anybody to drop them yet. Or a couple of those guys out there that are currently free agents get dropped like a Melvin Gordon or Kenyon Drake. Like I'll still pick those guys up. But until they sign, they may sit out there on waivers for a little while. But I'd like to pick them up before then because it's exactly what we talked about earlier. If those guys don't sign and we get to the start of the season, then that's when I probably cut them. But I'm going to know whether I'm going to keep them or not. They're either going to sign somewhere and they're going to be on a a 53-man roster or they're not. So I really don't. I know I'm going to be able to turn that spot over. So I like using spots on that. Versus, I mean, I'll just share one of the things I've probably done too much is in these two PPR leagues or these two tight end leagues. I got way too many tight ends. Now, it's early in the offseason, so I I can justify carrying 11 tight ends. But when I get to the season and I have to cut down to like 32, do you really want to have like Hunter Long, Cole Turner, Will Mallory, Josh Wiley, all you want to have seven of those guys on one team?
0: No, not really. Because
1: none of them are even your starter. You know, you probably right. have a couple others that you're like actually using. But then I look, even if it's two PPR, do I really want 10 tight ends where one out of four of them might ever become useful? So I got to start looking at like, all right, why do I have so many Hunter Longs and Cole Turners and Peyton Hendershots and Grant Calcateras? And like, how many of those guys can I really carry? Do I need 11 Adam Troutman's like a couple, but I I know there's going to have to be some cuts from those ranges, even in heavy tight end premium leagues. And that's where, man, if there's ever any of those guys that I can like flip for a fourth or fab or something like that, that's probably where I'm focusing a lot of my auto accept trade blocks and just hoping I can sell somebody that it's a two PPR league two PPR. Hey, you want, you want to buy that Jeremy Ruckert for a fourth or whoever the name is, you know, like go ahead. It actually helps me out. It makes one less decision that I have to make later on. But um, yeah, set the stage. Rookie draft's done. You've already picked waivers clean. You and I have maxed out rosters. What's the the process here? What's the goal? You have a maxed out roster. Why are you setting the auto-accept trade block? Because you just did like 15 of them last week.
0: So one of the things that I want to do and one of the main things I want to do is... Acquire capital that I could use during the season. So if I have a bunch of thirds and seconds and fours, extra ones that I can get from doing these trades, then I can use that 2024 third, 2024 second during the season. And, you know, just last year's example. Hey, Deontay Foreman is starting the rest of the year because Christian McCaffrey got traded. Uh, Any 20, you know, 2023 third got him basically. Okay, sure. Here you go. Here's an extra third that I acquired from a, you know, auto-accept-trade-block trade that I did earlier in the season or preseason, whenever. And I got that extra third, and now I can use it on Deontay Foreman, who's going to really start for the rest of the year. And Deontay Foreman had like two, three touchdown games, I think, last year or something crazy like that. He had a bunch of touchdowns, and especially like in a best ball league or if he did start him that week um, in a lineup league, he probably won you a week or two. And that's, you know, and talking about warp, um, that's a warp difference maker for the week for you. Like, that's going to win you a week. So having guys like that, being able to buy spot start running backs, maybe I can buy, um, I got a quarterback on buy and... You know, Tyler Huntley's making the start this week. I can buy a Tyler Huntley if I need to and maybe get me through um, a matchup that week where I was only going to have one quarterback. Well, now I got a second one that I can use and, you know, maybe it wins you that week when maybe you weren't going to because you didn't have a second quarterback. So just trying to do that. I want to acquire some extra picks that I can use during the season is one of my main goals. So to piggyback
1: on that, obviously trying to get liquidity, right? But it's very easy to do it in lineup leagues where you have a taxi and it's a really active league with start 12. Like, obviously, we all know that the picks, the thirds and fourths have a little more value there. Not just because if you have to drafted players, you end up adding like to your stable of running backs or whatever, like it's, we have some leagues where it's like, it's really valuable to have those kind of picks every single year. But to piggyback on this, what if it's best ball? What if it's best ball and you're selling what you think could be like usable dart players, usable receivers? Players in lineup leagues, you'd be like, let's get them off my roster. You know, a guy like Josh Palmer in a lineup league, you'd take a third for all day, maybe even a fourth at this point. But in a best ball, you're like, okay, there's a place. Would you, in best ball, are you willing to sell like, those type of receivers for thirds or is it team context? Cause I, I see, I don't see it in best ball as much. And I think it's cause people are scared to trade depth in best ball. Because as soon as you want my depth piece immediately, there's this grand illusion in their head. Oh man, he's going to hit my lineup once or twice. I can't trade him away for a pick. Cause then what if I have to make that pick and I end up drafting a receiver? I don't know if the receiver is even going to be as good as Josh Palmer. So how do you do it in best ball versus lineup? Cause obviously that, The theory is way different because you're just trading from your excess Mm -hmm. in lineup leagues.
0: Right. I think in best ball, it's kind of the same way, just kind of looking at maybe um, wide receivers. I think you can buy, like, a spot-start wide receiver. You know, Josh Palmer, a good example. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are hurt. You know, I could maybe buy Mike Williams for a week or two with, with a pick like that, you know. And then kind of looking at... Your waivers as well, like, maybe is there some extra guys I can pick up that'll, you know, I get that extra free pick, and I can pick up, you know, like, Matt Collins last year, Marquise Goodwin last year, those guys are on the waiver wire, like, the chances that Matt Collins or Marquise Goodwin hit your lineup last year were just as good as Josh Palmer was, so maybe on your waiver wires there's a guy you can pick up to kind of replace that spot, So that's kind of how I look at it on best ball. Yeah, it is a little different, and I'm probably not rostering as many running backs as I would in lineup leagues just because having, um, you know, Zamir White and Ty Chandler and Tristan Ebner and having all those guys on my uh, best ball teams, those are probably weekly zeros for me every single week. Whereas I want to fill probably those spots with wide receivers instead that I know that are playing like, you get this random Josh Reynolds week. You get a random Nick Westbrook akine week where, you know, he's got two for ninety-eight and a touchdown. You know, and that, that could easily go in your lineup that week. Those guys have more of a chance to hit than some of those running backs do. So yeah, I get it in, in in best ball like that, but that's kind of how I'm looking at it in best ball. So basically what you're saying is it's a it's a roster construction
1: thing. It really isn't an auto accept trade block thing. Mm -hmm. but likely the guys you're putting on your auto accept trade block in a best ball league would, you'd be willing to sell the handcuff running backs. If someone else wants to give you the third for Ty Chandler, you would do it in a best ball league right? Yeah. versus in a lineup league. You may want to sell the receiver and keep Ty Chandler because of Mm -hmm. how you're planning on using Mm -hmm. him. So is it really just the type of player you'd be trying to sell in those two leagues? Give me, give me an example of like the types of players you'd be putting on a auto accept block in a lineup versus a best ball league how does it differ
0: yeah so lineup i think it kind of just depends on like you said the makeup of your roster you're kind of looking at some of the like back end running back pieces that you might have like the third fourth running backs on teams or you're looking at wide receivers that are really not like guys that you are comfortable starting every single week so um, a deal that I made last week, for example, I gave away Gabe Davis and I got a second and a third for Gabe Davis. You know, I probably could have got more last year. It sucks. But you know what? A second and a third right now for Gabe Davis and a lineup league start nine. Probably the best I'm going to get. So, you know, in a league like that, I'd probably would do that for Gabe Davis. Now, if that was best ball, I'm not doing that because Gabe Davis, I know, could easily have three or four blow up weeks next year. Uh, for Buffalo, so it's probably not a deal I would want to do. I'd probably want like two seconds, or maybe a maybe you can get a first. I doubt it, but probably get two seconds for Gabe Davis and that. So you could ask for a little more, and then like you said in uh, best ball leagues, if you put up these Ty Chandler's, the these Zamir Whites. Craig Reynolds, guys like that, and you can get any picks for those guys. Those guys are really getting you zeros every single week. And if somebody's willing to give you those extra threes and fours to get those guys, then sure, here you go, I can do it. But that's kind of where I'm going at um, with it for each league lineup leagues, kind of just selling some of those excess wide receivers, tight ends. Maybe you have um, enough running backs, and you get that spot start running back that's on your roster. Najee Harris gets hurt for a couple weeks. And you have Jalen Warren. Somebody's willing to give you a second for Jalen Warren. Here you go. And you know if you don't really need Jalen Warren, so that's some something else you can kind of look at too. It kind of depends on maybe the injury luck as well.
1: So in terms of the pricing, um, I see a lot of people put up auto accepts, and I'll I'll be honest. There's a lot of yours where I'm like, no way, I would pay that price. But what are you thinking when you put the prices on there? Because to appeal. I guess here's the psychology. Let's just get, get. let's backtrack for a second. Let's go to the psychology of why the auto accept trade block is useful. One, it's a more creative way to trade players. It's easier to do this than it is to engage in a discussion about Khalil Shakir or insert whatever random player. Rarely are you messaging somebody saying, hey, I'm looking to move Khalil Shakir or I'm looking to move Dion Jackson. Are you interested? right? That, 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 that's not like a discussion you'd probably have. At the same time, when people see something that they know they can have and all they have to do is pay this price, immediately their mind goes to, okay, it's a cost-benefit analysis. I either get the player or I get them at this price. There's no in-between. There is no haggling. There's no sending four offers back and forth. Here's the price. You either pay it or you don't. And I think human psychology is gravitating towards you're going into the store. Here's the prices. If you don't agree with it, then you walk away and you don't buy anything, but at least you know what it's going to cost. And sometimes there's comfort in knowing what something's going to cost versus, well, someone said it might cost me this. And then as soon as I try to buy it, they raise the price on me. Like that can be very frustrating. And I know you've been jaded before about having to trade. So this is an easier way for you to kind of just make trades back and forth no talking, no communicating, no haggling. You either like the price or you don't. Uh, you can miss me with, all oh, those prices are shitty. Like we see those in the comments sometimes. I'm sure you've got those people posting the message, oh, why would anyone pay those dumb prices? You know, like, you know, you can just be quiet if you don't like the price. You know, walk out of the store. Uh, but what's the what's the psychology when you go to set the prices? Because I think it's pretty clear why people like it. People like, hey. I'm bored. Someone sends me an email or a trade bait update. Here's the prices. If I don't like it, I move on. Uh, but how do you go ahead and determine the prices? I mean, like, obviously knowing there's a benefit to you to get deals done. How do you set the prices?
0: I don't think there's like really like an exact science to it for me. I just kind of look at, you know, maybe I'll look at keep trade cuts, see where they're valued at and kind of like base it off. Okay. If I, you know, it's, like you said, Deion Jackson, and he's valued around, you know, Josh Kelly. You know, I like, okay, if I wanted Josh Kelly, I think like a third would probably do it, something like that, and I'd, I'd be okay, you know. Okay, I think Deion Jackson's the same way. I'll put it up for a third. Kind of just kind of looking at, you know, similar prices of the guys that are around them in the same tier, kind of like that. That's kind of how I always do it. You know, I think there, like you said, there's rarely times that I'm putting up guys for a first, but maybe I will. You know, if I have, um, you know, a Dalvin Cook, like I just don't think I'm trading Dalvin Cook for a second straight up. Like I'd probably still want a first if I Joe Mixon, you know, guys like that, Alvin Kamara, I'll probably put those guys up for a first. There'd be at times too where, you know, uh, like I mentioned with Gabe Davis, like sure, I like a second. Maybe I want a little more on top of him. So I go a second and a third. You know, there's times that I'm doing that as well. Like, I I run into that a lot, actually, where I'm like, uh, maybe a third isn't just enough. Maybe I, I need to, like, a third and a fourth would satisfy what I would want. I open up that roster spot. I get two free picks out of it and move on. I know you did that um, in a couple weeks for Nico Collins. You have Nico Collins for a third and a fourth. I probably would have paid that price, but you know, someone beat me to it. So that was another good deal. I think you could probably have gotten a little more for Nico Collins just because it looks like he's going to be the number one receiver on that team. But yeah, you're just, you know, picking up some picks and, just trying to see you know, you're trying to do fair offers on these players. You're not like going out, oh, I want uh here's Matt Breeda. I want a second for Matt Breda. Well, no one in their right mind's giving you a second for Matt Breeda. You probably gonna have to ask for like a fourth at this point for Matt Breeda. And if you can get it, then awesome. If they don't pay they don't want to pay it, they don't want to pay it. But it kind of also gives you an idea of Hopefully, your league's paying attention, but if you're not getting any offers on these guys, you can, they're probably going to be safe to cut when you need to go and, and make your cuts as well. So, kind of get some intel on it that way as well.
1: That's the next point I actually wanted to bring up. But you just led right into it. So, when you go and you set the prices, you'll be able to get a feel on your league. How much are picks valued? What can you typically get with the picks? That's the other thing is some of our leagues are Debbie depleted. Some of our leagues are tight end premium point per carry start 12, like the pick values in that league versus a stock 12 team start 10 with 25 man rosters. Like fourths are useless in that league. But there's other leagues where I want as many fourths as I can get because even if I have a couple fourths, there's a chance I can move up from the four oh eight and the four ten to the four oh two and get a player that I want. Like in that league, it would matter. There's other leagues where that deal would be completely meaningless. You know, like our Royal Rumble League, right? It's only 25-man rosters. The the players available in the fourth are they're no better than waiver players. If you can trade those picks for fab dollars, I'd rather have the fab dollars because I can use the fab dollars later. I don't have to pick a seventh-round receiver or a sixth-round quarterback in the fourth round. That's automatically a roster clogger, especially in best Ball. If you're picking a running back, you're picking up a backup quarterback. That's probably a roster clogger in a best ball league. So to understand your league and what picks are valued where are picks valued in certain ranges in certain leagues, you'll know the leagues where it will make sense to do the auto accept trade blocks. Uh, But I think the other thing that you mentioned that's very, very important here is if you trade a player for a third, you're actually getting a leverage trade, even though it's a one for one. Because you've identified that the roster spot is worth X. It's worth X player that I can pick up off waivers. And how many deals have you done auto accept deals? And then you pick up a player that you're literally like is the same that I traded away. All the time. So like I traded away this guy. I picked up a player that I literally could see in a month is the same as the guy I traded away. And I just got a third for that guy. And this guy was on waivers. So I think that's another thing is that trading from the auto accept trade block, you should only put pieces on the auto accept trade block that other people might want. Or B, if you're putting them on there for a fourth and no one does it, you have to ask yourself, why do I have this guy? Now, if it's just there's nobody better to pick up, then fine. But a lot of times there's players that I put out there for a fourth. No one buys. So that's my question to you. If you cut some of those players, is it actually better that you cut those players and think, make somebody else waste a spot on them? And maybe even... Bo- you cut Deion Jackson, someone might actually blow like six fab to pick him up. And now he's their problem.
0: Because right. the
1: league has already said he's not even worth a fourth. Right. So it's like you're, you're actually benefiting your team by trying to get the fourth or trying to get fab dollars Then you caught him.
0: I have so much Matt Breida, Salvin Ahmed, Miles Gaskin, and I put those guys up for, like, fourths this time I just did it. Nothing. So it's like— Some Boston Scots. Yeah, Boston Scots, guys like that. Like, Matt Breida, definitely. I I have a bunch of him. I'm stashed on teams for whatever reason. And, yeah, can't even get, like, a fourth for him. So— yeah, maybe maybe it is kind of like um, the sabotage drop. You drop them, and then somebody else can pick them up, and they're their problem. The only thing is, you just have to have the ability to make a waiver claim and and pick up somebody better, you know, or has more of a future. Like if you can get one of these UDFA running backs that are, you know, one of the hot names to pick up, or you know, maybe like somebody cut Kenyon Drake or, you know, something like that, that you mentioned, you know, that still has a chance to make a roster here. Yeah. I think I would be able to do that.
1: So I'm looking at our uh, best ball one USFFL, right? Where you have Dion Jackson on waivers or you have Dion Jackson on the auto except block for a fourth. Yep. So then I look at waivers and let's see who's out there. Craig Reynolds, Matt Breida, Boston, Scott, Miles Gaskin. They're all the same, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. So it's like, if you can't get the fourth for Deion Jackson, that's fine. But who would probably be the players you'd be looking to pick up? Probably one of those
0: guys, Probably one of those guys, yeah.
1: So like, it is harder to do this. And I think maybe, how do you pivot when you're in that pickle to where, man, I'm stuck with Deion Jackson and there's five equivalent players on waivers. I can't have them all. Because really, the power would be to have them all and wait to see if anything happens with any of them versus having to pick which one out of five is going to be worth something. So how do you combat that? Because even if you were able to just drop Dion Jackson and pick one of the others up, you're not really gaining anything. Do you think there's some merit to then trade? Maybe a guy that you see a slight tier ahead of those guys and liquidate him and then slide one of those extra ones off waivers into his place. It's effectively the
0: same thing, right? Yeah. I was kind of thinking that or, if there's, like, a different position where I can maybe get a body, like if I can go pick up Braxton Berrios or Scotty Miller on a free agency, you know, because one of those guys I think could have some value this year, and I drop, you know, that Dion Jackson, and he gets added to that group of five that you mentioned, and if something happens with any of those five, I can easily go back and pick them up, you know, if, if a couple things happen to some of those guys, you know, they're, they're still going to be out there. So, you know, maybe I get... Um, that starting slot receiver, Scotty Miller or Braxton Berrios, and they end up hitting this year and, you know, i changed my roster construction a little bit and got, you know, maybe a useful, more useful player.
1: If I told you there was a backup quarterback, that's clearly going to be the backup. Would you potentially pick those guys up? At what point would you start picking those guys up over these fours? I mean, best ball, especially because quarterbacks and running backs mm-hmm. are either they're worth it that week or they're not. Would you consider maybe picking up a backup quarterback instead of one of those running backs, or do you think it not matters? Doesn't matter?
0: Uh, it depends. Like I don't wanna have like seven or eight quarterbacks on my roster in best ball and five or six of them are just backups and I'm just taking a zero, 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 zero every single week on those guys. So I think it comes to a point where you can you can try it on a couple guys, you know, that you have some faith in, like, Some of these younger rookie quarterbacks that came in this year, like an Aiden O'Connell, Jake Hayner, I think has some potential, like one of those guys, you know, trying to think of some other, like, like a Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater hasn't signed anywhere yet. If somebody dropped Teddy Bridgewater, like I'll, I'll take a shot at Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Drew Locke, we kind of talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, like, it's not out of the realm that he beats out Baker Mayfield this year. So, you know, if I can get a guy like that, yeah, sure.
1: Funny, the league you were talking about, the one I'm looking at right now, the best ball one, Teddy Bridgewater is out there. Okay. Colt McCoy's out there.
0: Yeah, he could end up starting. I for, think he's been uh,
1: dropped a couple times by multiple teams. I think I caught him in that league because I'm just like, I don't want to hold him. But I'm looking at your roster. You have Deshaun Watson, but you're also holding Dorian Thompson-Robinson. You have Tua, and you're also holding Mike White. And you have two Debbie quarterbacks, and you have Jameis Winston. So you already have seven quarterback spots. So does picking up Mitch Trubisky or Colt McCoy really help you that much, or you're kind of like, I'll just worry about it if it happens?
0: Yeah, I think I'm just at the point where I'll worry about it if something happens. At that point, I have uh, Jameis on there. I'm kind of see what happens there, even though like Derek Carr is like an Iron Man and doesn't miss any games, really. Uh, So that kind of sucks for him. But I think Jameis still has some really good potential if he ended up um, starting again.
1: That was another question I was going to have for you, is what do you do with these backup quarterbacks, auto-accept-wise? Would you sell like Jameis for a third? Would you sell Carson Wentz for a third?
0: Yeah, I've done that in a few of my leagues to where, uh, um, you know, if, if it's really clogging up my roster spot, like I had like Mike White as a fifth quarterback and I went to the Tua owner already and like, Hey, will you give me a third or a fourth for him? And they're like, no, like I'll just go ahead and put him out there for a third and see if somebody will uh, give me a third for Mike White. That's another thing you can do. Like I just mentioned, like, if you're carrying a Mike White, a Tyrod Taylor, maybe you go to that team that has Daniel Jones or Tua and see if you can make a trade, you know, to give that guy their backups. So that's another thing I like to do as well. But yeah, for the for the quarterbacks like that, yeah, putting like a, them up for like a third or a fourth if they're warranted, I I think that's that's more than fine to go ahead and do.
1: Like the Gardner Minshew to the Richardson guy, or the Andy Dalton to the Bryce Young team, like.
0: Mm-hmm. Trubisky you don't want to cut those team. backups, yep. but
1: man, you can only afford so many of those guys on your team. And there's some, there's some leagues where I have like three of them on one roster. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I wish I had this roster spot, but just it's too early to just dump. Cause you don't know what those, you know, you don't know what injuries could happen or that kind of stuff either. But it just, just feels like that navigating those backup QB waters are, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little dicey. Like you almost want to hold until the season, you know?
0: Like, I got a couple teams um, that I picked up, like, Matt Corral for free, and I maybe have, like, a Malik Willis or two hanging around. What do you do with those guys? Like, yeah, they just got drafted. Matt Corral we haven't even really seen on the field outside of, like, a couple preseason games. Like, I think Matt Corral.
1: Zach Wilson, Malik Willis, those guys are just auto-accepts. Take them, please. I'll take Fab
0: for them. Take fab for him. Okay. So that's kind of where you're at with it. I'm just like, I mean, in in best
1: ball, how do you hold those guys in best ball?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I just kind of was curious of uh, what your thoughts were on it. Like you just kind of just almost take anything at that point.
1: And now, now, now,
0: now if you can't even get fab for the guys, you just cut them and and pick up a a receiver, a running back in best ball.
1: So here's a funny story in uh, a C2C league that Ray and I have. I got which I I run. Shout out to Ray, but I run about 80% of it. <laughs> but we had Malik Willis and he is our QB6 and I got so sick of seeing him on the roster. And I just I cut him right before the supplemental rookie draft, which the supplemental rookie drafts are dog shit in those leagues. You're talking about like Davis Allen is like a mid first round pick. Right. Cuz there's just nobody else, right? And Malik Willis fell to like the mid second. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna pull up the board and just tell you the players that went up because I was so sick of seeing Malik Willis that I just caught him. And here's the players that went ahead of him in the rookie draft. Okay. All right. So I caught him and he went he went at the 202. right? So here's the guys that went in front of him. Uh Darius Davis, Trey Tucker. Uh Tanner McKee. Uh let's see, Justin Shorter. Um, who else? A couple of the others I think you could justify, like Stetson Bennett. Malik Davis was out there, got picked up, Kyle Trask went ahead of him. But like we're talking about like the 103 in this draft was Tyler Scott. Then Malik Willis didn't go until the 202.
0: Yeah, that just shows you where he's valued at now. Nobody wants him. He's just like Chernobyl out here. And if you see that,
1: it takes a couple leagues where you see that and you go, this guy is – he's literally clogging a roster spot. The value I'm getting by getting rid of him and someone else actually drafting him is actually higher for my team because someone else has him now. You know, Now, that's not best ball, so it doesn't kill you as much to have him on the team, but still, like – Just the way I like to run my leagues, if I identify a clear roster clogger like that, I'm okay being wrong if he ever bounces back to, let's say Malik Willis were to get traded tomorrow. Like what would be the best case scenario for him? He's like traded to the Cardinals and they're like, he's starting. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the same with Matt Corral. They're just buried. They're on cheap contracts, but there's no path. There's just no path.
0: Yeah, that's why I didn't want any Matt Corral's. The only ones that I've gotten, I've gotten pretty much for free off of waivers just to kind of see what happens. But, yeah, it kind of sucks right now. That I was just kind of curious what you were thinking about with those type of guys. Well, no, I have, I think, one Malik Willis and two Matt Corrales, and I'm sitting here going, that's like, all right, yeah.
1: what is the path? The path is you just pray that some desperate team trades for him because they like their film back in college or something. And is going to give them a shot to play for like three games because they have nothing else to play for. It's literally like when the Rams picked up Mayfield last year, we'll give them a shot. That's all you're hoping for. That's like the best case outcome. And if they stay on their current teams, they will never get a shot. They will hit free agency in like 2027 or 2026. And you'd be like, Hey, remember that Matt Corral? He never got a shot. Oh, well, you know, like it's, there's just, there's no path. So, Got to be cognizant of that and really do that type of analysis on every player that you're looking at on your roster. And, you know, when you're doing an auto accept trade block, you have to examine why is this player on my team? What is my format? What are picks worth? Why is this player on my team? And if you can't answer that, you should probably consider a move with that player in some capacity. Cut, trade for fab, trade for a fourth, trade for a third, throw them into a deal. Like they shouldn't just be, well, I, I need to roster somebody. You know, cause you're leaving a little meat on the bone if you do that. So that would be my final advice. Any, uh, any final tips? Um, I guess we didn't talk about how to do this. How do you, how do you make yours look presentable just in terms of actually promoting it? Cause I know we kind of do the same thing. We format it using just like the HTML coder yeah. to make it line up with, at least on MFL, it lines up very nicely with the list of the players. So it looks yeah. very clean. You can see. You know, right across from the player, you can see their price. And then, Sleeper, you can do it where you just change the nickname and just say, like, auto accept any second, any third, whatever. Yeah. Um, What do you think the best way to market it is?
0: I usually go in my chats, uh, whether it's Group Me, Discord, whatever, and I'll write, hey, my uh, auto accept trade block is posted. That's basically all I do for promotion on it. Um, So, like, if you were to, you know talking about how you are uh, how you do it with uh, the HTML editor so what do you just go to Google and type in like HTML editor or something like that or what would you do for MFL uh, I, I use a tool that is called uh, textfixer.com okay. and it has an
1: HTML coder okay. and you literally just set it to the format and you type in the text as it would be in MFL and then you just hit generate HTML and it literally creates a list exactly like it would on MFL. Okay. The, I just paste that into the trade block, and as long as you select the players that you're putting in on the same list as you type into the the text, it it's literally a one for one. There's there's some leagues that are weird where like the character limit is hit and like it's all over the place when you click on the trade block. Mm-hmm. Like it's you ever seen those where like the page is really long and it yeah, doesn't line yeah. up perfectly, but most right. of them line up pretty good so you can see it. Uh, and then I'm sure you've seen where I just I go to the MFL option that just says email the whole league and I just send them a screenshot. So it's like, if you
0: didn't check the trade bait, you're going to get an email. Yeah. Yeah, Some like it, some teams I I don't even, I've never even checked. Honestly, Um, you have to go in and click it on your email preferences on MFL to say, Hey, I want to get people's trade block emails sent to me. Like some people either have it. I don't get those.
1: I turn those off. So yeah, if you up- get, get your
0: trade bait. I don't get those. Yeah, see, I get them. So, um, and have to, and I would say ninety five percent of the time, I just hit delete unless I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm bored. Let me look through and see what this guy wrote. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that's kind of how I do it. Same same way as you. I actually I know the HTML off the top of my head, so I just do it manually but instead of doing it the way you do it. It's probably easier the way you do it, um, but I just do it manually and I know like the codes and everything. So. Yeah, I I know it from seeing it a million times, but I'm just
1: like, I just click on this site and do it. And whatever way you want to do it, make it look... I think we both try to make it look presentable so that someone doesn't have to like read. They can just look for five seconds and see it. Uh, Another thing you can do is take a screenshot, post it in your chat. Literally screenshot your trade bait where it says auto-accept prices and post it in your chat. If people don't like it, then whatever. Uh, ignore the comments from the haters that are going Oh, Never. Those are, those are inflated prices. It's like, okay,
0: Hmm.
1: running backs for a third. Is that really an inflated price? Really? What they're saying is nobody wants those players, which largely we probably already know that. So try it out. Test it in your league. The goal is to literally improve your roster construction and gain liquidity for the future where you can spend it at a time where you have more information. I think that's it in a nutshell. So, Any final words you want to say, final tips, ideas, anything you want to close it out with?
0: No, not really. I think we kind of covered most of the bases there, so I think we did a pretty good job at it. Something that I like doing in in a lot of my leagues. I know Scott likes doing it in his leagues, and sometimes you get some action, sometimes you don't. Don't be discouraged if you don't get some action on it. You know, Maybe your prices are maybe a little too high. Maybe you have to come down on them. Or you know maybe they're you know you're just uh, not getting enough action that's all it is sometimes. So,
1: do you ever buy off of Auto Accept Trade Box? You and I have bought from each other before.
0: Yeah, you bought a couple of my KJ Osborns last year. I've bought them from you a couple times. So, um, yeah, it, it just depends on if I'm looking for something specific on my team or a specific player or whatnot. Yep. So.
1: Good stuff. Well, yeah, let it yeah. let us know if anything happens with uh, auto accepts in your league and don't get discouraged if people hate on it because it's a new tactic. Not new for us, but I think it's new around, you know, I think the dynasty community or the dynasty streets. And it's funny when I see a random league that doesn't have you or me, but then there's people using the auto accept trade walk. I'm like, they've probably gotten it from one of us somewhere along the line because that really no one else did it before we did. I mean, we were doing it. I remember, was it 2018? You were buying Trey Quinn's from me?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: But I mean, it, it's been like five years that we've been doing it. It hasn't just been yeah. all the last couple of years. Like, we haven't had the platform to talk about it, but we've been doing it for a while. So, oh, yeah. you know, there, every economy, there's probably going to be a buyer, there's going to be a seller, depending on where the market is. So try it and report back if you get any deals. Yeah, for sure.
0: But, uh, you yeah, let's take a quick little break here uh, for Underdog. And then I have one more quick little topic I wanted to talk about uh, before we end today's show. So we will be back in about a minute and 30 seconds. Hey, Destination Devi listeners. Eric here of the America's Game Podcast. And hopefully by now, you've heard that Underdog Fantasy has partnered up with Destination Devi. You want to get in all of these year-long best ball contests and compete with Ray Garvin, Ike and Gene of the Off the Line Fantasy podcast adam and mike of 4d chess and scott connor and myself at the america's game pod well now is your chance if you sign up with the code america's game all one word you will get a 100 deposit match up to 100 free by underdog fantasy the best part of that though if you deposit at least 10 dollars, you will get access to the destination debbie discord for free You'll get it for one full year, and now is the time to do it right before the NFL draft and get all those goodies that are going on right now in the Destination Debbie Discord. And right now, as we know, it is tax money season. Are you getting any money back? Why don't you take $100 and deposit it on Underdog Fantasy, and you'll get a free $100 from an Underdog, and you'll get access to Destination Devi. There is no better deal going on right now than that. So use that promo code AMERICA'S GAME, once again, all one word, and sign up today. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, guys. So the last topic that I wanted to bring up here is kind of goes back a little bit to our Cardinals conversation we were having earlier. And with the Cardinals looking like they're kind of just tanking this year a little bit. They're trying to go for maybe that first overall pick. What do you do with uh, Kyler Murray right now? Do you just kind of just go ahead and trade him, Kyler Murray? Because if they're gunning for that first overall pick again, he's they're trading Kyler Murray. They're taking Caleb Williams, and Kyler Murray's going to be gone. I know it's going to cost him a, a crap load of money to trade him. But what are you doing with Kyler Murray and Dynasty right now? If He's going to be missing half the year. Do you kind of just get out on him now and just take kind of like almost any first, basically?
1: No, because I think he's still a top 12 quarterback. I think he'll bounce back. He'll get traded somewhere. He's probably their long-term starter. Like He's going to get afforded that opportunity, whether it's Arizona or whether it's somewhere else. So I think with Kyler, you... Uh, Cause I've wrote a couple times that you should sell him, but then I've also talked about, I want to buy some. So I think that tells me my mind it's price dependent. If I can buy him for a first. Yeah, sure. If I can sell him at QB 12 prices and get Deshaun Watson, because people think Watson's not that good. If I can sell Kyler in two seconds and get Deshaun Watson or something like that, I'm doing that all day. If I can sell a future first in Kyler and get, Lamar Jackson or even Watson, I'd probably be willing to do that. You know, cause I just like those guys better. And I don't think the difference is if I'm going to bet against a first, I think it's going to be a late first. I'm okay doing that. But I think what I'm doing is I'm just trying to align Kyler on the right teams. I want to have shares. I want to have exposure. I probably don't want to be overexposed right now. I have Kyler. Where am I at on Kyler? I know I've sold a decent amount of Kyler Murray this off season, but he's starting to get to a price now. Yeah. I have six out of 50 leagues that have Kyler. So I'm like kind of fine with that, but now I want to figure out, is there any that I can sell and upgrade? And is there any teams I can buy that I'm fine parking him on for a year? And I don't care if he plays this year. I don't care what team he gets traded to, but he's a future play, you know? So I think it's, I want to have enough exposure where I have some, I don't have a ton. You have to also think about what's the acquisition cost going to be in the next six to 12 months with Kyler. I bet you, let's fast forward nine months from now. That'd be February 26th of 2024. Super Bowl's over. You already know who has the number one pick, right? If it's Arizona sitting at one in three where you think Kyler's going in startups when he's still on the Cardinals. And people are a little scared. Yeah, he's probably going to get traded. But what if he haggles or they can't trade him and it becomes kind of a circus? He'll be attainable in startups, don't you think? If the Cardinals end the year with the 101 pick and he's still on the Cardinals, there will be a period where in a startup you'll be able to get him 10% lower than maybe you even can get him now or at least mm-hmm. at the same price that he's going for right now, knowing he's not going to probably play some this season, you'll be able to get him. Mm-hmm. So I think I there's going to be two places where I can buy him back. One, I can buy him on teams where I know I'm kind of punting this year. But two, I know new teams that I build next year, I'll be able to have another buying window. So two of the levers are going to say he's going to be able to be purchased now or at a future time at the same cost or a little lower. So I'd say sell him in the leagues where maybe he's not being viewed that way and either hold out or buy him in the leagues where he is and put him on the right kind of teams. I I think that's it. He's too good just to say I'm dumping him. Right. He's going to get another shot. He just is. Now you can, I've seen people buy into, oh man, he's not a good leader. People don't really like him. Who cares? He's going to get another shot. Now, if he goes somewhere else and he sucks, or he goes somewhere else and he's good, but he's a terrible leader. Then maybe he's kind of going down like the Russell Wilson road a little bit, right? Where it's like, Oh man, I don't know about this guy. Like there kind of might be some issues where he just doesn't, he doesn't have it anymore. Nobody really wants him. I think someone made a good comparison. He's, he's got the Russell Wilson kind of vibe about him to where like, he's kind of hurt some of his, Chances from an NFL perspective, a little bit like he might have rubbed some people the wrong way, but then he could also have like the Carson Wentz factor where he's not good enough to overcome it. We think he is, but what if he's not? Because he's you would agree, he's not the kind of guy that if he's not good enough to be a higher end quarterback, it's not like he's offering you a lot more where you have to have him as your leader of your team, you know, which makes him a risky dynasty asset. Whether any of that is true or not it matters for the perception of the player. It's no different than like, do you really see Kyler that different than Tua? Aren't they kind of like they could be a big reward if nothing goes wrong the rest of their career, but they could also be done for in like two years.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So how much do you want of those guys? I'm willing to buy in some Tua, but it's gotta be on certain spots. The Tua teams, I probably want to be like, man, I can't get an elite quarterback He's a guy I can buy now if I can get him at the right price. But I don't want to count on Tua for 2025. Right. Kyler, I'd rather count on Tua for, I'd rather count on Kyler for 2025. Right. So, I mean, that that's my answer. It's buy and sell. It's just aligning them within your portfolio on the right kind of teams. What about you?
0: Yeah, I I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Just kind of see, I'm trying to think of like, what would even be, like, the proper deal to, like, go and try and get him? Do you just offer what? a 20, 24 first for him? Or?
1: Nah, say you have a stacked team, and he's your QB2. I don't want to say stacked, but let's say you have a team you think is going to make the playoffs, but he's your QB2, and you just haven't got the right offer. What are you willing to do in a league like that?
0: Say it again? I'm sorry.
1: You have a, You have a pretty good team. He's your QB2.
0: Mm. now
1: what are you willing to do to try to get off of him in a league like that knowing that the team might be able to survive he could come back the second half of the year and he could be startable for you and then you really don't want to sell at a low point right now right at the same time you haven't sold him yet do you really think in 2023 uh cj stroud is helping you more than kyler murray
0: I don't think so. That's tough, no. Yeah, it's tough, but probably not, no.
1: Okay, so what do you you do in that situation? What would you be willing to add to go get, like, Watson or Lamar?
0: Yeah, I, I think what you said earlier, if I can give Kyler in two seconds to go get Watson, I would do that. I'd be comfortable with that. Now, what if you're middle of the pack team?
1: You're a fringe playoff team, and if it goes wrong, you just traded the 103 and Kyler for Lamar. You still yeah. that scared about Kyler? Because it's easy for the, the 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 awesome playoff team to give up their first. And then the team that knows they're tanking isn't giving up their first. So most likely, if you're operating in that range, you're middle of the pack. Do you still want to take that gamble? Is it worth it for the potential one-year production?
0: Yeah. Oh, man, that one's tough. Yeah, especially if I'm that middling team like you're talking about, man. I don't think I could do that because if I... Like you said, if I end up giving like the one oh three away in next year's class with Caleb and Marvin Harrison and Brock Bowers and a couple of these running backs, like, oh man, I would I would uh, be kicking myself for that one.
1: So would you give up one of those mid firsts plus Kyler for Fields?
0: No, I I, I don't think so.
1: Cause then what if Fields is passing doesn't improve? Ha- doesn't improve. Yeah, that's and then that's he- what I'm afraid of. And then week 12, Fields is injured, Kyler's back, and Kyler's outscoring Fields. And you just banked on the first. We got the extra first in that deal, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. And
1: now, at the same time, if you have Lamar Jackson and you think you can contend, are you selling Lamar for Kyler in a first?
0: Lamar for Kyler in a first. I think I'd be okay with it. Interesting. Okay.
1: So you're more on the let's buy Kyler side then if you can get the right discount.
0: Yeah, I think on the right discount I can do it. And It also depends on my team. Like if I, if that same offer and I have Lamar and I'm a, you know, top three, top four team, I probably am not going to do it because Kyler is going to miss half the year probably. So I think it kind of just depends on your team and where you're at right now. But if you're like uh, one of these middling teams, or you're rebuilding or whatever, and you can get Kyler on the cheap for that. I, I think that's kind of where I would be looking to do it. But like on a contender, if I get him as like my third quarterback, like if I had, you know, some of your teams that you had, like I, I have one team where I got Herbert, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Will Levis, and Justin Fields. Like if I have like five of those guys and I can go ahead and give up Dak and and something to get Kyler. And, you know, I think I can maybe get a slight upgrade there from Kyler to Dak at one point. I that's probably a team I'd be willing to try then and and do that on.
1: Okay. So let's say you could get a top guaranteed top five pick, but not next necessarily a shot at the 101. But a team you're pretty confident's not going to make the playoffs, right? Let's call it 102 to 105. Okay. Would you do? Would you trade your Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert for Kyler in that one pick? Mm. So you're going up Probably. a tier. It's not Lamar yeah. Fields,
0: Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence. Right. I don't think I could do it. No, not for Burrow or Herbert. See, it feels
1: like if you had the opposite end of that deal, you would add the pick to Kyler to get one of those guys, right? Just to set it and forget it and not even have to mess with it.
0: Yes, yes, for sure.
1: That's probably the deal to look at. It, it, okay. It's a gamble because if that's the 102, you're like, damn it. I wouldn't, I, there's a way that I could have preferred that. Because if right. you'd have done that deal this year, if I told you what side would you prefer, Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murray and Anthony Richardson?
0: I would have took Kyler and Richardson.
1: Now, if it's Kyler Murray and Jameer Gibbs, you'd probably rather have Trevor Lawrence, right? Yes. So There's a big gap, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. So that yeah. deal could
1: work out to where you end up getting two quarterbacks out of it, and you're like, damn, that's a nice deal. Or it could have been, man, I'm glad I made that trade because I got an elite quarterback, and all I gave up was essentially a running back and another quarterback that I like a lot less. Yeah, like and that could be next year's class too. One hundred five can still be a really good player, but it's not Drake May. Yeah, it's not Marvin Harrison Jr. I assume Harrison's going to be valued like Ceedee Lamb, AJ Brown range already. So, like you can almost include him like in that
0: top. Like I, I think, I think he's probably the one hundred three or uh, the third wide receiver valued. That's
1: what I mean. He's already there. So yeah. if you're if you get a top three pick next year, assuming Drake May kind of ends up in the if he's in the Bryce Young CJ Stroud range but he's a better player than those guys he'll be in that same you mm-hmm. know first round startup range. Yeah. But if you're outside that top 3 next year and you make that deal you're going to be kicking yourself that you didn't take the elite quarterback cuz it was right there, you know. It was man all i had all right. to give up was the 104 or the 105. Yeah, that's going to be a good player but it's not the same value. So i think that's something to kind of think about and that's where it's a really really intriguing deal at what would be the line for you of what you'd be willing to sell if you were selling, like, Herbert or Burrow for Kyler? What would you need on I, top?
0: I think I would have to get Kyler, that a first-round pick, and probably, like, another useful player, like, um, you know, like a Terry McLaurin. Um. Garrett Wilson and Kyler for Burrow. not bad i think the only way that i would do that is if i had you know a, a quarterback that i could use for the first whatever eight weeks behind that so like just somebody like a, a a Derek Carr, or somebody like that so
1: they throw in that same deal they throw you baker mayfield does that count or is he too
0: risky too risky ritter too risky but a little better than baker <laughs> he's gonna start
1: you have to admit it
0: oh yeah but it's still more it's still just as risky as uh right as uh baker is
1: interesting yeah i think that you can go both ways on kyler and i think he's a kind of a cool player to talk about because there are very polarizing views on him some people are out on him because they think he's bad character always going to be kind of a problem doesn't work hard now he's got a bad injury you don't know if he's going to come back and run But you could also say, what if he comes back and his recovery is fine, and then in 2024 he's a top eight QB again? Because he's been a top eight QB every year of his fantasy career. So, I mean, he's got a track record of, like, you're getting QB1 numbers from him. So he's probably a good bet to those people, and then he's probably a sell if you can get anywhere close to, you know, adding something to him and getting one of those other elite guys. So he's kind of a fun player to talk about.
0: For sure. I, that's kind of why I was asking with all this, you know, sounds like the Cardinals are going to tank, got to cut Hopkins today. Does Kyler even play this year? Do they even risk it? You know, stuff like that. Like, it sounds like they want to, they're probably going for Caleb and, and Kyler's going to be on the move next year. So that's going to be a whole topic, a conversation come January and, and February. Oh, where's Kyler going to land? You know, it's like uh, a team like Washington, they're probably going to win six, seven, eight games again, and they're going to be picking 15th again, and they're not going to be able to go get Drake May or Caleb Williams. Does does Washington, with a new owner and franchise, um, you know, owner of the franchise, do they take on Kyler? So that that could be something that happens. Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, another one. Yeah, Tampa Bay—they're going to be desperate to get a quarterback like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Someone, someone's going to lose out. Uh, it's kind of like Carolina. There was like three years in a row there where they just couldn't get the quarterback. They they couldn't trade for Deshaun Watson. They made a dumb mistake and passed on Justin Fields in the draft. You know, Carolina just kind of kept kicking the kicking it down the road before they finally went and got somebody um, this year with Bryce Young. So it kind of seems like Washington's in that boat now, like Washington has kind of kicked it down the road a couple times and haven't gotten that guy yet. So I think like Washington, maybe Atlanta, you know, those are good ones. I
1: can see the Raiders for Kyler, too.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, Jimmy G
1: effectively has a one-year deal, and now he decided to have this surgery, so I don't even know if they really are super happy with him at this point.
0: Yeah, well, I think Aiden just kind of takes it over and leads that team (laughs) to the promised land.
1: Who needs Kyler Murray when you can get Aiden O'Connell?
0: Exactly. I agree.
1: Man, if Aiden O'Connell hits, Eric's going to have so much profit.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right, AFG. AFG. All right, so I had two in my mind. I'm going to give you my first one that I think maybe you won't have anything for, and if you don't, then we'll just skip it. So obviously it's Memorial Day weekend coming up here. The best racing day on the on the calendar. Monaco in the morning for Formula One. IndyCar for the Indy 500 at, at noon. NASCAR to end the night, Coca-Cola 600. What's uh What's your favorite racing moment? Do you have one or no? Uh,
1: does the elementary school Pinewood Derby count?
0: No, uh, I'm just talking like Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR. Do you have anything? Uh, Magic Mountain go kart racing does that count? Nope. Okay. All right. We're we're cutting this. am cutting bait <laughs> on this one. All right. So I went and saw the new Fast and Furious movie on Tuesday evening. What's your favorite Fast and Furious movie or moment in the series? I think I've only seen the first two. Scott.
1: Yeah. Listen, I spend all my time on sports and dynasty. You're killing me. And so I I watch some shows and stuff, but no, I got nothing for Fast and the Furious. Man. I I barely remember the ones I watched. I haven't watched them all. How many is there? Nine now? Uh, This is the 10th one. Yeah, ridiculous. I haven't definitely not seen the last (laughs) like seven of them.
0: Okay. All right, well, I figured I'd try. Oh, man. 0 oh for 2. What else you got? 0 oh, oh for 2. I got to come up with something here on the fly. Man. Um, okay, so uh, we, we've kind of done this the last couple times, but I'll do one more. So NBA Finals, I know we're not going to talk about hockey because nobody – listens to the hockey but we have a lot of basketball fans that listen to destination Devi. so basketball nba finals are coming up here i think uh what celtics and heat are still going what's your favorite nba finals moment Hmm,
1: it's got to be the the sixers lakers series where the lakers beat them in five but that game one with the tyron lou step over by iverson And you thought the Sixers could actually pull it out when they ended up starting off the series good, and then they ended up just losing in four straight. So, yeah,
0: I I remember back then you were a big uh, Sixers fan. You were a big Iverson fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were, uh, you know, they they were probably one of those teams that deserved to potentially win a title, but, you know, those Lakers teams were pretty much unstoppable. So, I mean, that you just kind of had the, had the good team at the the wrong time, you know, like that's pretty much wasn't what it was. I mean, the Sixers ended up winning the first game in Los Angeles. That was the one where I think Iverson had like 48 or 50 points or something like that. And Mm -hmm. had that famous step over on Tyron Lou on the baseline. And you were like, damn, they're actually going to get it done. But then, you know, they went back to Philly because, of course, if you can win the first game on the road, you have the advantage now, right? Because you basically yeah. have home court. But then they went back to Philly. Game three, I remember, was close. Uh, but the Lakers pulled it out. And then and after that, the Lakers pretty much just whooped them. They, I think they beat won the next two games by double figures. So I remember that that game three was awesome because the atmosphere was great during that game. But the fact they didn't win that game was like, man, yeah, the series is probably over at this point. And then they just lost in five and never got back. They tried. uh, You know, they made moves like you remember the, the Sixers went out and got, uh, you know, Derek Coleman. Yeah, I and... remember
0: Coleman. They had Eric Snow as the point guard they had mm-hmm. uh, I think they got Tyrone Hill who's one of the best rebounders at the time they had him with Coleman um
1: yeah and I mean yeah. at the time it was it was Eric Snow Aaron McKee Dikembe, and out yeah,
0: yeah McKee and Mambo yep
1: and then they went out the next couple of years and tried to make moves tried to get back got Derek Coleman the next year uh you know they they got close they they were good for like two or three more years but it just never was the magic of that season and it was it was very similar to uh, obviously Iverson was a little bit older at that time um but it was very similar to the teams where um, LeBron was in Cleveland and you look at the rest of his roster and you're like dude how did he carry this team to the finals you know you know they yeah, yeah. would just had one more one more guy that mm-hmm. could have got it done and they just didn't. And they never got back. They went out, I remember, and got you know player after player after player every year trying to make it work for like three or more, four more years. Never ended up working. I remember a couple years later, they traded for uh, Glenn Robinson. Yeah, And they just ended up always trying to fill like that second score. And they could just never make it work. And it never ended up working. Chris Webber, yeah,
0: Weber. yeah I remember they, Weber. Chris
1: Weber, Glenn Robinson, Derek Coleman. Every year they tried to get like a second scorer to complement Iverson, and it was always like a big guy that could score, and it's never, never worked out. So that was probably my favorite. That was the peak of my finals um, Final memories. Fandom. Was then right. there were many others too. Like there were some other good ones um, yeah. in the past, but that was always my favorite because that was the one team that I'm like really rooted for.
0: Yeah, you definitely get some – there are some dominant teams in there, like you said, the Lakers there. Those Lakers-King series around that time were awesome. I loved watching those. Um, I would say my favorite one probably was the 98 with uh, Utah and, and Chicago. Those were some really, really good battles there between Utah and Chicago. Jordan's final run, all that just um yeah like utah and and houston had the uh uh western finals that year that was a, a hell of a series and that was the only time that jordan went to a game 7 was that east finals against indiana who was really really good too so uh yeah th- i w- i'd probably say that one was probably my favorite that i remember from from a kid obviously you know i had the couple of the cavs ones where they won You know, lost a couple there. Um, I would, the, the early one, I think it was 06 when they played the Spurs and they got swept by the Spurs 4 0. That was, that was a fun one, but they just, I mean, it was just LeBron and that was it. Like, they had Ogalskis and that was like really it. Like, there was just nobody else on that team that just could, uh, compete on that level with, uh, with San Antonio that year. So that that you know that brought back some memories as well. Uh the one I think it was the strike shorten year on the uh, I don't know for some reason I really liked the Knicks cuz I always liked Allen Houston. Uh, they had Sprewell, they had Larry Johnson, all those guys and they went up against the Spurs that year too. I think it was 2000. That was a that was a fun time watching that one um but yeah i mean that's that, that's probably most of my ones they are probably more of the later ones anything more recent i i didn't really i didn't really like another one that i i didn't watch it but i liked it was dallas beating miami just a stick in lebron's face that was great mm-hmm. <laughs> so those are just a couple of mine for sure more of the bulls ones that, that i remember that that were some of my favorites
1: Really interesting uh, Twitter thread. The um, People might not like this if they're a big Jordan fan. And I really don't have a, a dog in the fight. But it was a very interesting thread, and it just said the truth about Michael Jordan. It's worth reading. Basically, it's just talked about how like, the first decade of his career, he didn't do anything. And I, I think we... I didn't even realize, and I grew up during it. Now, a little bit was when I was a kid, you know? But you go through and you look at it, it's just, it's some interesting stuff laid out about how when he first entered the league, couldn't even win a playoff
0: game. Did, okay. Did you ever watch the, uh, the last dance documentary? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, so you know most of this stuff then. Okay.
1: I I know most of it, but I think this, and I'm not, again, I'm not planning a flag on this argument necessarily, but you know, people constantly throw around the, you know, LeBron could never win a title till he went to the heat, you know? And it's like, you it, sure lebron or jordan didn't go to another team but if you look at some of the parallels you're like okay yeah it's not it's not like he was the most dominant player in the league from day one you know now are you going to criticize him like the titles he didn't win early on were won by essentially the lakers or the celtics or the pistons for 2 years yeah like it was just better teams than him you know what i mean But at the same time, you kind of look at LeBron's run and you're like, LeBron crossed paths with Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, Steph Curry. Like all all the rings won during LeBron's career was by some combination of those guys. You know, like there's a couple others mixed in there, but it's kind of like, damn, he's going up against Kobe who has five rings. He's going up against Steph Curry who has four rings. You know, like it's not like you can say, oh, he didn't go up against anybody. So it's just an interesting debate, and I don't think it's fair to be like, "Oh yeah, this guy has six rings. This guy has five. He's just clearly better." There has to be some context in it. So it's an interesting thread, though, because I think a lot of people from our generation and older are like, "Oh my God, Jordan's just so much better. Like he's yeah. he's the greatest. Nobody's ever been better. You know, six for six in the finals." But there's always context to everything, so it's just it was a very eye-opening thread, and I'm, I'm sure not people like, will have this. I graded, don't. But.
0: I don't, I don't like LeBron at all. But I'm not one of those guys that's gonna say, "Oh, he's not even a top five player in the league." Like I'm not that naive and dumb. Like he's definitely top three of NBA players of all time. He, I think, I think it's safe to say he's the greatest athlete ever in, in NBA history. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, that's fair. So, I don't know. I, I think, I just think Jordan was a better player but i mean lebron is is literally second or third you can argue you know between a couple other players like lebron i think lebron's better was better than kobe like i think kobe was a better like shooter clutch player all that kind of stuff but lebron literally does everything points rebounds assists you know he can go and, and run you down the court and and do the and block your shot everything so uh yeah that's kind of uh That's kind of where I'm at with it, but a a good one to end, even though you, you, you nixed my first two. All good. (laughs) All right. All right, guys. We'll enjoy your, uh, Memorial Day weekend coming up here. Hope you guys have a good time with some cookouts, hang out with family, and obviously, um, remember all those people that we've lost. Um, But, yeah, at Eric NFL on Twitter is my handle. And also uh, follow the pod at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. And then, Scott, uh, do you have uh, anything coming up on uh, Destination Dynasty coming this week?
1: No, it'll probably be a short episode. uh, Just me kind of talking through some things that are in my head. It'll be uh, definitely a shortened episode. It won't be one of these hour 15, hour 30-minute shows just because it is a long weekend. I'll enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. But yes, there will be a Destination Dynasty coming out on Monday. And uh, it'll just be a couple topics that are in my brain, maybe some trade ideas, something pretty lighthearted. And then we'll have a kind of a more formal plan going forward uh, in June and July as we're really getting into the dead period. So, yeah, it'll be a quick episode, holiday episode, and uh, agree
0: with everything you said. Sweet. All right, guys, we will see you next week for episode 47.